My name is Joe Martinez, and this is my wilderness moment. My wilderness journey really came to a head Christmas of 2015. My opioid addiction had become the major affliction of my life. My ex-wife had taken full custody of my kids. I lost my job, my apartment, and the court costs had left me drowning in debt. I was in the darkest moment of my life. I didn't recognize who I was. No one wanted to be around me. For the next few months, I was a ghost. I couldn't feel. The world didn't make sense. And I found myself grasping for anything that was stable. And that's how I found myself here at CTK. I got hooked up with Ron Walton, a leader in the men's ministry program. And he really helped me to hear the gospel and the good news of Jesus. I knew I was ready for a change. I wanted out of the darkness. I wanted more for my life, more for my children. And the turning point for me was an Easter service, March 2016. That's when God really opened up a way for me to follow him, to take the plunge, to get baptized. And I said, yes. I remember there were so many of us, um, all these people who, like me, God was meeting in their moment. When I got to the front of the line, I couldn't believe who was there. It was my friend, Ron, ready to dunk me. The road out of the wilderness wasn't easy, but having God leading the way made all the difference. I got a new job. I finished rehab, and the summer of 2018, I married a wonderful woman who loves God, my wife, Janine. And the story gets better. Uh, with God and her in my corner, I was able to prove to the courts I was a different person. I was a different man. Five years to the day, Christmas 2020, I got to have my kids in my home. It was the best feeling in the world. I got to dance with my daughter. I got to laugh with my son. And my heart was so light. God still continues to work in and through me. I am enrolled at Trinity Western University, a Christian studies major. I get to share the story God has given me with other people and get to meet them in their moments and share the good news of Christ Jesus. I am so grateful for all those people who've sat in our wilderness chair and told their story over the past weeks. Thank you so much for doing that. This week I was reflecting on some recent conversations. One conversation started this way. Hey Grant, crazy weather we're having, huh? And that's exactly where the conversation stayed, right on the surface, no depth. And in my opinion, it was a glorious waste of both of our times. The other conversation went this way. Grant, what have you been doing to keep your soul alive in this crazy wilderness season? This was my answer. 
I've been pressing into the presence of God. I have been ruthlessly pruning at some old spiritual baggage because honestly, I'm sick and tired of falling into the same ditch over and over and over again. I've been learning to ask God better questions. I've been trying to linger long enough to actually hear his answers. I've been learning how to let God love me. I've been staying closer and drawing near to God than I have in my whole life. I have been trying to be real in front of Jesus, my Savior. And I'm doing that because when I finally have the opportunity to exit this wilderness space or any wilderness space, I actually want to be different. How about you? What have you been doing to keep your soul alive during this wilderness moment? I mean, the truth is this, in this liminal space, this in-between transitional space where we have to spend an inordinate amount of time keeping our home world intact and our physical body intact and our financial world together, the reality is your soul can get lost in the shuffle so easily. So really, what have you been doing to keep your soul alive in this in-between space of the wilderness? Because we're not where we used to be, but we're not where we want to be. We're just still stuck in between. In preparation for this series, I read the book of Exodus from beginning to end. And something must have stuck. Because when you get to the end of Exodus 32 in the beginning part of chapter 3, so many aspects of what I was trying to accomplish in my wilderness moment were there. It's almost as if God has been calling humanity out in exactly the same way out of their wilderness moments for all of history. I believe this to be true. In the liminal space of the wilderness, God calls us into a deeper, more personal relationship with him. I don't believe these wilderness moments were intended for us just to survive and get through. I believe God actually has a higher purpose in the wilderness space. I believe the wilderness moment is not just a season, or that it is a season to be lived and not just a sentence to be served. Let me say that again. The wilderness moment is a season to be lived, not a sentence to be served. If that encouraged you, thank Pastor Jensen Franklin. He said it first. I'm going to start today by telling you where we're going to end today. We're going to end with God knowing each one of our names. So hold on to that as we unpack this path to connection that we find in the end of Exodus 32 and all the way through chapter 33. Let me catch you up. The Israelites were being very creative with their waiting time. They made a golden calf and were hosting a dance party. Moses pitches a fit and sin gets very, very real. Pastor Brian last week eloquently spoke about the golden calf moment, but he stopped just short of what happens next. Thank you so much for leaving that for me, Brian. Because what happens next is Moses calls a group of people towards himself. They become known as the Levites. They become priests in the temple. And the Levites grab their swords and cut down 3,000 of their fellow countrymen because of their sin. Boy, we struggle with God's justice side, don't we? We love the lovey-dovey side of God, but we struggle with the justice side of God. I would make this contention. You can't have love without justice, and you can't have justice without love. God is love, but make no mistake, God also hates sin, and sin always has a high price. Sometimes it's seen, and sometimes it's not seen. For the next couple of minutes, I want to walk you through the path of deep connection with God. I think you will find that it's a path that God wants to walk with you on. I think you're going to find it's tough and rocky, but it's also rich and beautiful. Here we go from Exodus 32 and 33. It starts with a call to the people of Israel and to God's people today to undergo a voluntary purge of evil. 
What did we all do 11 months ago when we thought COVID-19 was going to be a two to three week inconvenience? We cleaned our houses. We started cleaning stuff, right? We cleaned our apartments. We cleaned our dorm rooms. We cleaned up our places. There was a three-hour wait at Goodwill for people to purge their treasures. Laurel and I did exactly the same thing. You can't tell we did it now, but 11 months ago, we purged. Why? Because if you don't at some point, you're going to get buried in your own garbage. At this point in the Exodus story, God is going to clean house spiritually. The golden calf dance party happens. Moses burns in anger. He draws a line in the sand. The Levites grab their swords and they have at it. It's brutal and it's ugly because it's sin. It was a time to purge. The people had made their own God and left God on the top of the mountain. Listen to this conversation in Exodus 32. The Bible says this. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They've made themselves gods of gold. But now, please, forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you've written. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. And then the story gets harder. Because God sends a plague to strike his own people. The very people that were delivered by a plague now all of a sudden are dealing with one themselves. That sounds harsh, but there's hope for us in this story. God will forgive what you willingly purge. Let me say that again. God will forgive what you willingly purge. Another word for it is pruning. God is calling all of us to prune everything from our lives that doesn't honor God. It's sobering, but it's biblical. And here's another part. If you won't do it, God will. Take it from me. Better to volunteer for that process than to have to undergo conscription. Prune what needs to be pruned. God says this in the next section. You're going to reach the promised land, but you're going to have to go without me. Moses freaks out. He's like, what are you talking about? You're you're not going to take us to the promised land? And God actually has a come to Jesus meeting with his own people. God has a frank discussion with his own people people. He says in his own way, not only do you need to purge evil, I also you need to, I need you to purge the pretense and the facade. Here's what God is saying to his community. I need you to get real. You see, the Israelites used to make a show getting ready for church. I wonder how many of us have done that. That was the problem though. It was just a show. They would deck themselves out in all kinds of ornaments, Scripture calls it, to to try and convince people of just how holy and pious they were while they were actually manufacturing a golden calf moment. That was a problem because it didn't reflect what was really happening inside of their heart. Look at verse 5 from chapter 33. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you're a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments and I will decide what to do with you. This is what God says to his people. Strip off the lie that you're fine. You're not fine. Strip off the lie that, that, that you're just good. You're not good. Strip off the lie that I got this Jesus stuff down pat. I mean, I've done communion. I've done baptism. What more else is there for me? God says, I know you. Both the good and the parts that struggle. You'll hear us say this around here a lot. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay not okay. God is saying, I want you 
to actually get rid of the pretense. Can we actually have a conversation? I want to deal with who you really are. Let's press down the path. In the wilderness season, God is calling his people just like then now to push into purposeful prayer. I love talking about prayer. Prayer is words that pour out of your heart. It's both talking and listening. It's not rushing through it because that's just what you do. It can be both a, a repetitious utterance of the heart or it can be a spontaneous conversation that just springs out of your mouth to God's ears. Prayer can be questions and answers, declarations, moments of silence, cries for help. It comes from the depth of your soul, goes to Almighty God, and then actually comes back to you. In those moments of purposeful prayer, here's what we need to know. It's not so much about what we say, but about who we're saying it to. The God of creation is on the other end of your prayer life. It's purposeful prayer in a purposeful place. Look at verse 7. It says this. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Moses is modeling for the people deep connection with God. And it's important. Godly leaders model godly connection. But don't miss this. Moses had a specific place that was devoted to connecting with God. It was a place without distractions where he and God could talk with no pretense, no evil in the way, where they would talk about life and family and their journey and their frustrations and their victories and their celebrations and their growing relationship together. Here's my question. Do you have a place like that? Your place could be a tent. I mean, you could go and put one in your backyard could be a prayer closet, could be a garage. But I don't want us to miss the significance of this. It has to be outside of the camp. If you don't have a special place where you go to connect with God that's not outside of your normal rhythm, you'll get sucked right back into the normal rhythm of your life. You need a place where you can give God your undivided attention. I have a place where I go to have deep conversations with God. Now, the reality is this. I talk to God all day long when I'm on the run. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The Bible says pray without ceasing, and I do that. I pray throughout the day as I'm bouncing back and forth between meetings and people, but when I have to press in deeply, I have to pull away to a place where there are two rules. Just me, no phones. A place where God can have my undivided Attention. So here's my question again. Do you have a place where you can practice the presence of God? Do you have a place where you can talk to God this way and where he can talk to you? I want you to listen to this description in verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Wow, let me read that again. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Here's what that means to me. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I can have that kind of connection with God too. I talked with a good friend this past week. We shared deeply from our hearts. We laughed, we cried, we dreamed, we celebrated. Sometimes we said nothing and the silence wasn't even awkward. You know why? Because we've got a lot of time invested between the two of us. That's the same kind of conversation, real and raw, that's available for every single one of us 
with the God who created us. This moment in the, in the tent of meeting is actually described in another place in the Bible. Numbers chapter 12, verse 8. It says this, with him, meaning God, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. You can have that kind of a conversation with God. You can speak to God that way. God promises he'll speak to you that way. When we experience that kind of deep conversation, I don't know about you, but I can lose track of time sometimes. It's like all of a sudden, time has just elapsed because I don't want to leave. I love being there in those moments. Well, we actually have an, opp an amazing opportunity to do that together as a church this week. So the fourth Friday of every month is what's known around here as our day to pray. We've partnered together with 30 to 40 other churches in Whatcom County. They each took a day and our church prays all the way around the clock. People take different slots, 30 minutes or 60 minutes. You can pray for three hours if you want to. And we cover our county for 24 hours a day for our day to pray. Well, our day to pray happens to be the fourth Friday, which happens to be this Friday. And I want to encourage you to go to this web address. It's ctk.church slash day, the number two, and then the word pray, day to pray. And let me tell you why. You'll find a prayer guide on there. We're going to devote ourselves this Friday on our day to pray to praying about our upcoming missions project. Our missions project is going to allow us as a church to do what we can to break the back of human trafficking. If we go into that without prayer, we are in trouble. We need to provide a thick prayer covering over this entire initiative, and we're going to start this Friday. So I want to encourage you to press into that purposeful prayer, ctk.church slash pray. Let's go a little further down this path and talk about the encouragement to push into close spiritual proximity. It's so tempting in wilderness seasons to pull away from God. It's counterintuitive, but this is what Jesus wants. He wants for us to press into God. It's, it's easy to, allow, uh, to, to choose that God is your most convenient enemy as opposed to your most powerful ally in those wilderness seasons. Press in. Draw near in close spiritual proximity. A few weeks ago when Emily Jameson was here, she talked to us again about hearing the voice of God. And, and we took the opportunity after that service was over to go way into a back room here. It's a, we have a little studio, recording studio. And we continued our conversation from her message. We continued the conversation with Emily and her prayer partner, Becca. I love the fact that every time Emily comes to share with us at CTK, she always brings prayer support with her. Well, this week, we're going to release that content on our podcast. If you've never listened to it before, you can just search on all the major pla uh, podcast platforms, continuing the conversation with Grant and Laurel Fishbook. This is such a rich conversation. Laurel leads an unfiltered conversation on how the four of us have struggled with our own journey to move from talking to God to actually conversing with him. There was a high level of transparency in the room. And as I left, I kept thinking this. I so wish I would have heard this when I was 22. I so wish I would have heard this kind of authentic transparency where we pulled in tight to God and talked about the struggle and the beauty of, of turning your prayer time from a list into an actual conversation. 
God wants you to come close. God is close. You can hear him. He can hear you. And I just want to encourage you to eavesdrop on the podcast this week. We actually divide it into two parts where we're going to release the first 51 minutes this week. And then there'll be bonus content of 24 minutes that'll come a little bit later on. Both of which were life-changing. Let's go a little further down the path. Because in that same verse, the Bible says this, Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. That is so powerful. I picture it in my brain this way. Moses walks into the tent of meeting and says, God, I need to talk to you about these people. These people are driving me nuts, seriously. I don't know what to do with them. And God would answer his questions. Here's what I want you to do. And then Moses would leave the tent, take God's wisdom and God's presence with him. Moses connected to God and then he went back to work. Joshua connected to God and he stayed. Isn't that interesting? You know why? Because Joshua was in preparation to take over for Moses. He just didn't know it yet. In fact, Joshua is going to become the hero of the story much later on. Which leads me to a conclusion. A heroic life for God always starts in the intimate connecting place with God. Let me say that again. A heroic life for God always starts in the intimate connecting place with God. So here's the lesson. Both leaders continued in proximity to God by listening to two separate callings. One was to stay and the other was to go. Both leaders continued in proximity with God, staying near to God while fulfilling their individual purposes. The key, though, was proximity. Both of them came to a place where God drew near. They took their marching orders. And then they moved forward. Let's go a little further down the path as God calls us, just like he did his own people, to claim the promise of God's presence. In this wilderness space, you have to cling to, attach yourself to, even handcuff yourself to God's eternal promises. Because once again, here's how I picture it going. Moses comes to God. God, I don't like these people. I don't like them. Please don't send me out there into the wilderness with them. Like if you do the commandment about thou shalt not kill, I'm not sure I can follow through on that one. And I'm just going to have to hope that 9 out of 10 is not bad, right? I mean, Moses is desperate for help. Sometimes God asks us to step into difficult places with difficult people. But listen to the promise God made to Moses and the promise he made to you as you walk through your wilderness. Verse 14, the Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. For some of you, that's the only thing you needed to hear this weekend. You are not alone. God will never leave your side. And when you cannot take one more step further, the strength of God will hold you together and he will carry you. Some of you need to hear this. You're going to make it through this wilderness season. You're going to emerge on the other side of the wilderness space. And my prayer is that you choose to walk with God instead of trying to walk on your own strength. Let's move a little further down the path as we connect deeply with a God who knows you personally. So we finished up a project a couple of weeks ago. I was asked to be the voice for an audio book that came from an evangelistic group called Jesus.net. I love my brothers and sisters at Jesus.net. They're the people that I do the little live Q&R show on Wednesday mornings on YouTube. And they had actually had a book. It was called Listening to the Voice of God. It was written by a French pastor by the name of David Theory. 
David wrote a beautiful 21-day experience for people to go through to hear the voice of God more intimately. And they asked if I would do the English version. So I spent um, a significant amount of time sitting in a recording studio with Andy Tellman. Andy was our recording engineer. And I was struck by one of the stories that showed up in the script. It came from a young lady by the name of Sandrine, who lives in France. Sandrine struggled with an issue. The issue was this. God never called her by name. He would always refer to her as daughter whenever she was praying. One of the chapters is about if you have a frustration or, or something, a roadblock or an obstacle with God, here's an interesting thought. Maybe you should ask him about it. So Sandrine was frustrated. Why doesn't God call me by name? Why does he always refer to me as daughter? It bothered her, so one day she asked God, why don't you call me Sandrine? And in that instant, God took her back to a moment of pain when her mother, her earthly mother, in a fit of rage and rejection, said these words, I so wish you were not my daughter. Just like that, the lights came on for Sandrine. And she realized something. The reason that God was calling her daughter was because he was healing that wound. He loved her so much that every time he called her daughter, he wanted to hear her to hear this message. Your mom didn't want you, but I do. Your mom had no place for you, but your heavenly father does. I love you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I named you, Sandrine. You think your parents did that? Your parents didn't name you. God Almighty named you because you are his. He knows you. Listen to God talk to Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Have you considered that the God of all creation knows you by name? Andrew, God knows your name. Thomas, God picked your name. Wendy, <laughs> the God of the universe knows your name. You have never been forgotten. He is your father. You have never been outside of his heart, his care, or his love. However he refers to you, son, daughter, grant, Paul, Janie, mine, my child, whatever he calls you, he calls you that because he knows you. Before you were even born, God knew your story. Before you started growing hair, he knew how many you would have and how many you would lose over your lifetime. God knows the minutes of your life, your strengths, your weaknesses, your mountaintops and your wilderness. You are known by him. One last step on the path. God is calling his people and our people in Exodus 33 to access God's proximity and his protection. When you are known by someone, you naturally move towards them. That's the way it works. You're not afraid. It's interesting. What happens at the end of Exodus 33 is Moses asks for God to come near. 
That would freak out most of us. The reason it would freak most of us out is because we would be terrified that if we actually got near to God, the only thing that would be exposed would be our brokenness in comparison to God's perfection. That's why we tend to pull away instead of press in. Here's what we need to know today. Coming close to God, it can reveal some of our brokenness, but it will also reveal his goodness and his love and his mercy. Don't ever let fear keep you from moving towards God because God created a new kind of proximity through Jesus. Next week, we're going to talk about the tabernacle. I'm actually going to preach furniture and how Jesus shows up in furniture. You should show up. It's going to be very interesting. In this wilderness space, God is closer than you think or closer than you feel. So Moses has this request. God, I want to see your glory. Here's what God knew. Moses, if you actually did see my full glory, it would overwhelm you because I'm holy and you're human. You would think in that moment, would God say, nope, sorry, request denied. But instead, God has this beautiful solution. It's this, I will come close and I will cover you. You don't have to be afraid. I will cover the one that I know by name. Verse 21, then the Lord said, there's a place, oh, underline these words in your Bible when you get a chance. There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. In wilderness moments, God is both close and protective. He's both near and a refuge. And he wants to walk the path to connection with you today. I think one of the biggest misconceptions in the human race right now is that we're somehow better alone or safer alone. That's why we pull away from people. That's why we struggle to be in community because we think people are both messy and uncomfortable. Got good news for you. They are. All of us are messy and uncomfortable. But I wonder sometimes if the roadblocks we put up between ourselves and other people are the same roadblocks we put between ourselves and God. So I have a series of questions I'd love to ask you today. How close are you willing to get? How real are you willing to be knowing that God's presence is right here, right now? I mean, think about it. Think about it instead of pulling away from God. What if you got so close you had to shield your eyes and just say, this is just too much for me. How incredible would that be? That's where Moses got to, that close. And that's what God wants, for us to be close in proximity, to be near. You know, I think we often say that we're too busy to spend time with God and that's our biggest roadblock. I don't believe that it is. I think that's just a convenient excuse. I think the reason we don't want to get too close to God is because of fear or shame. Fear of what proximity to God might expose in us and the shame of having to actually deal with that. Once again, I have got to reinforce this. Don't let fear or shame ever be your roadblock when it comes to drawing near to God because here's what I can tell you. God's proximity reveals his love. God's proximity reveals his goodness. 
God's proximity opens a door for understanding so we can actually see purpose in our wilderness. I love the fact that God did not step away. He moved close to Moses and allowed him to see the appropriate amount of his glory. The reality is this. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We serve a mysterious, magnificent God that holds the wilderness that we're walking through. So here's the practical question. What's your proximity to God and what will keep you from pressing into him when you feel like the world is pressing in on you? So, here comes the question. So what? Right? A whole bunch of stuff in there, Grant. Exodus 32, 33, there's a lot in there, but so what? I want to encourage you. I was asking exactly that same question this week as I was trying to prepare this message. Some weeks, messages come in a download and I cannot type fast enough to keep up with the Holy Spirit. Other weeks, it's a war. This week was a war. Every time I put words to paper, it felt like, like a flat, old school, Sunday school lesson that was being taught on a flannel graph. It, just, it felt like there was just nothing living and breathing inside of it. We came and did the run-through yesterday. Like we do kind of like a walk-through rehearsal type of thing to make sure we got all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't even know where this thing is going to end. But through the help of some people, Laurel actually walked through every word of it and gave her two cents worth to try and help it out. And then Randy and then Melanie, I mean, and just, and it was still just one of those pieces where it just felt so raw. And I had no idea why there was such a roadblock until God gave me a picture and said, this is actually what I want you to do. And I'll be honest with you, God was just like, go. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and he's just like, go. And I'm like, no. But I think there's something beautiful about doing what God tells you to do. So you guys just chill for a second. I'm going to go get some furniture. Chairs are awkward. That's why you should always have a friend. Some of you will recognize this chair. It's been the chair that our friends over the last six to seven weeks have sat in week after week as they've told their wilderness story. We've had a group of heroes sit in this chair. And I am so grateful for their stories. Especially Joe's. Like, wow. <laughs> Amazing. I wonder if I opened up the opportunity for people to come and sit in this chair and I gave you a microphone to share your story. I bet there are people here who could tell us some pretty amazing things about wilderness moments in their lives and how God showed up. I wish we had hours upon hours upon hours to do exactly that. We don't, but I'm just wondering this. I mean, if you had an opportunity to sit here, what kind of story would you tell? Here's what I know. I've, I've never met a person I couldn't love if I didn't hear a little bit of their story. I wish I could pray for every single one of you individually. I wish every single one of you could pray for me. 
Because if I had to share my wilderness moment, I could probably pick a lot, but I would probably go back to 2010 when I was wrapped in depression and so desperately wanted to quit. But God showed up. God showed up. And it was the prayers of so many people that sustained me. It reminds me of another conversation that I had not too long ago when someone walked into the church and, and they made a simple request, like, Grant, would you pray for me? And my first response was, no, nah, I don't have any time for that kind of stuff. That was a joke. 11.15, you guys really need to take a deep breath right now. Come on now. I'm like, of course, of course we can pray. How beautiful. So I'm wondering if in your heart right now, I'm wondering if you'd come and sit in the chair. I wish every one of you could. Because if you did, if you came and sat right here and there were no restrictions that would keep us from getting close and personal with each other, this is exactly what would happen because this is exactly what happened with, with the man that I got to do this with that I'd never met before. I asked a personal question after he shared his story and I shared a little bit about mine. I asked him, I said, would it be okay if I put my hand on your shoulder? Because we always ask for permission around here. And it would always be okay for you to say, no thanks, I'm not comfortable with that. We just always want to ask permission. But I asked him and he said, absolutely. So I put my hand on his shoulder. And then I asked him if he would be comfortable if I could anoint him with oil. Anointing someone with oil is, is simply a picture of healing in God's presence. That's it. The Bible actually tells us to do that in James chapter 5. So I made the sign of the cross on his forehead. I'm wondering if, if you're sitting in this chair in your heart with me right now and you're sharing your wilderness story and it's okay if I put my hand on your shoulder, I'm wondering if you could follow suit. I wish I could reach every single one of you. Here's what's really cool. God actually puts oil on the end of your fingertips every single day. Would you do me a favor? If you'd like to sit in the chair and be prayed for today for whatever wilderness you're going through, would you take your finger and just make the sign of the cross on your forehead? Go for it. Just go ahead and do it. There you go. And if you were in my chair and we had an opportunity to do this together, these are the words of scripture I would read over you. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And then I would pray that the presence of God would go with you back into whatever wilderness moment you needed to. And I would pray that your wilderness season would end in God's perfect timing and that you would emerge from it different than how you started. For everybody who's at home who's sitting in the chair right now, thank you. 
to everybody in this room whose chair in the worship center has become your wilderness chair, thank you for having the courage to go there with me. And now I'd love to really pray for you. And I'd really appreciate it if you'd pray for me. Father God, thank you for wilderness moments when we have an opportunity to press in deeper with you than we've ever pressed in before. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room who need to go home and purge an evil or purge a facade and get real. I pray for those who need to find a place, an undistracted place where they can connect with the heart of God deeply and personally. God, I pray for those who need proximity today more than anything, Lord, and I pray that they would experience that hand on the shoulder when the presence of God comes and moves near and close. Father God, I pray for those who are wandering in a wilderness of sickness and illness today, and I pray in the name of Jesus that Jehovah Rophe, the God who heals, would touch their physical body right now and heal them. Lord, for those who have a relational wound deep in, in the center of their soul because, God, they've hurt someone or someone hurt them, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be their savior and remind them that they are known by name. God, I pray for those in the name of Jesus today who, who just, who desperately need your miraculous provision. I have no idea why they need it or how it needs to come, but God, I pray that Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, would move near to them. God, I thank you that today you want us to see and experience your glory. God, would you help us to press in and not pull away? So God, today as we've had this moment together just sitting in this chair, I thank you for every wilderness story that could be told. I thank you that every person that would share that story would know that they are named by God. And I pray, God, as we put ourselves into this good purpose, that you would walk with us but always stay close in proximity. Jesus, I thank you that you are with every single person in this room right now and at home. And I pray that you would never feel closer than you do right now in this moment. God, thank you for a safe place to be real and to walk the path with Jesus. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen.